on the Pac-12. They've lost Colorado. Now they're turning their attention to Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and the Big 12. The new report from Dan Wetzel is that the Big 10 is looking at Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. If you're counting, that's eight of their remaining nine members with potential new landing spots. So my question to you is, it's over for the Pac-12 as we know it. Overreaction or not an overreaction? Not an overreaction. I've made my, I've made my thoughts very clear on it. And the Pac-12 has no one to damn blame but themselves. They, they have put themselves in this position with no foresight, and they continue to have this elitist attitude about this whole thing. They finally want to talk about expanding. It's too late. It's too late. You're not going to add any power conference teams. You had a chance way back in the day to invite Texas and Oklahoma. You passed on that. You had a chance to, when the Big 12 was a little destabilized, when they lost Texas and Oklahoma, you had a chance to align with them. You didn't align with them. You aligned with the Big 10. Big 10 stole your teams. So this is all on the Pac-12. Now, Colorado's gone. Arizona and their border regents met yesterday. That has to do with Arizona and Arizona State. Now you have the Big 10 looking at Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. This is insane. This is insane. This is the first time in my lifetime where we're talking about a conference that may just dissolve as we know it. And all of the fault is is placed upon the presidents, the chancellors, the people at the top, the commissioners, the old commissioner, Larry Scott, the new commissioner, George Klepkov. It's embarrassing. Um, Now, I I, I just want to break it down this way. If you're Arizona or some of these teams that are talking about going to the Big 12, the reasons to go, it's pretty simple. The money is horrible with the media rights deal that they put out there. I have heard different, differing reports. Yesterday it was $19.5 million in incentive-based subscription. I've heard a number as low, a base number as low as $13.5 million, Connor, for, for that media rights deal that was presented to the Pac-12 and their presidents and chancellors yesterday. So the money's horrible. That's the that's first reason to go. And the second reason to go, considering it's Apple and it's streaming, there's no damn audience. There's no audience. And I didn't really discuss this yesterday, but how, how can you keep up? with the rest of high-level Division I athletics with no real visibility. If you look at Power 5 football TV deals uh, in order based on annual average payout per school, the Big Ten, which is uh, going to start this season 80 to 100 mil per team. SEC starts in 2024, 70 mil per team. Big 12 starts in 2025, 31.6 mil per team. ACC, which runs through uh, 2035, 2036, 30.6 mil per team. You're not going to be able to keep up money-wise, and you're not going to be able to keep up Because if I'm a recruit and I'm looking at going to a Pac-12 school that's still in the Pac-12, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get uh, pub. Am I going to get watched at all? You're on Apple. You have to pay $69.99 to go get a subscription and plus whatever the damn subscription is for Pac-12 network ultimately. It's just I, I I don't get it. I don't get it. Recruiting will be brutally hard. You're trying to sell yourself as a Power 5 while having a streaming package that makes us compare your potential visibility to the the MLS? That That's what you're trying to sell me. Four-star, five-star see that. And they're going to say, I'm going to take my talents to the Big Ten or the SEC. I don't, I, you know, if Oregon and Washington stay behind, which at this point I don't see a, a, a way through for that, those, those schools will struggle in recruiting ultimately. Uh, Oregon does have a, a lot to go off of. They have Phil Knight money, Nike money, so maybe they could still attract some recruits. But like the Oregon States, the Washington States, and everybody else in that in that uh, conference, recruiting is going to be brutal. Um, and also, I think another reason to go if, for Arizona, for example, is I think the Big 12 doubling down on basketball power is an interesting conversation to have if, if Arizona were to, were to join. And I think it's relatively smart um, 
just sort of relatively speaking, I think it's smart. You know that catching up in football is a pipe dream, right, if you're the Big 12. So high level, um, being high level at one of the revenue-generating sports makes sense. There's some value in trying to double down, triple down on basketball. And ultimately, if you have a team like Arizona Jump, Arizona State, all these teams go to the Big 12 – I don't think you'll get into a situation even down the road. You cannot reform the college basketball tournament without the Big 12, ultimately. That would be another reason to leave. You put yourself in a decent spot in the second revenue-generating sport in America right this second. And you'll seemingly ha- always have a spot in, in the power conversations in basketball at the very least. Um, and currently, uh, and I don't know how this is going to go in the future because football has talked about breaking off and um, operating differently, operating uh, with a different entity besides the NCAA, but currently football and basketball operate under the same entity. I have tried to think of reasons to stay, Connor. I've tried to think of reasons to stay, and there's one. There's one reason. To stay in the ba- Pac-12. Pac-12, if you're these teams. You have a 12-team playoff coming in football, and the Pac-12 basically has an AQ, has an automatic qualifier. So if you're Washington, Oregon, Utah, in the meantime, you may feel good about your standing in the college football landscape. You have a solid chance yearly to get a spot in the playoff. But that's all I can think of. I don't see any other viable reasons to stay. If you're chasing money, you leave immediately. (laughs) If you want an audience, you leave immediately. But if you want that spot in the college football playoff, maybe you'll stay behind. I I just find this insane to me. You can't escape the reality of where we're headed with the Pac-12. And again, today we have the Big Ten presidents doing exploratory discussions on an expansion in light of the Pac-12 uncertainty. Uh, The focus is possibly landing Oregon and Washington, moving up to 18 members with Cal, Stanford, maybe reach 20. Um, And and, and by all reports, the Big Ten doesn't want to be predatory because they feel good about where they're standing. Again, seven years, seven billion dollars is what their TV deal is, is for. Um, now, if these teams were to jump right this second, they would not get a full share. They wouldn't get the 80 to 100 million. They'd be somewhere around 50 million from what I've, what I've read in reports. Um, it's a lot more than 13 and a half. But the Big Ten doesn't want to be predatory. They could see, they, I think there's going to be a wait and see process with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. And then maybe they'll just sort of help out, throw a lifeline, throw a life raft to Oregon and Washington, Stanford, Cal. But this is insane, man. There's no way. Considering everything we know, all the reporting, all the details that the Pac-12 can survive, it's it's really disappointing. It really is, and the fact that a month ago he was telling people that they were waiting for a bigger and better deal, and that they were going to come the longer that they waited, and then what he presented was the Apple TV essentially MLS deal is inexcusable when you're the Pac-12. That just absolutely cannot happen. So I don't blame these schools for having to take a, a hard look in the mirror and say, is this the right place for us to be? And like you said. If the only reason to stay around right now is that automatic qualifier for the college football 12-team playoff, that's such a short-term reason to stay. And all these schools have to look long-term. They have to look at how they are going to survive in the sports realm because it is ever-changing. And right now, the Pac-12 feels like a sinking ship. It's a sinking ship. You say it's a short-term game, but I'll say this. From Pac-12 schools, presidents, chancellors, the whole nine yards, like they have have thought short-term for a long time. They have not thought with a lot of foresight. But now... You're in a position where the Oregons, the Washingtons, Arizonas, Arizona, you have to start thinking about the future. You have to have foresight because you didn't have foresight on the beginning, and look where that's gotten you. Look where all this has, has sort of put you in an awful spot. And I, again, I don't know if any of this is good for Memphis. It's not. 
ultimately good for Memphis. Um, but I do want to I do want to bring this up because I, I and shout out to uh, it's a hypothetical for Memphis. Shout out to T.J. Willis of Tigers Untapped at Bluff City Media. Um, and this has to do with Florida State. Florida State's. Um, I believe it was a uh, – let me let me get the exact – it was a trustee, Justin Roth. He said, a solution under the current ACC TV deal is very unlikely, and it leads us to what's next. The alternative for us is staying in this conference for the next 13 years, and he says that's death by a thousand cuts. Waiting is not the answer. And he also says FSU needs an exit plan in the next 12 months. So if the ACC starts devolving, if you will – this is the hypothetical that my man T.J. Willis from Tigers Untapped uh, brought up. Um, say they lose Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and North Carolina to the SEC, whatever it may be. That would leave behind Boston College, Duke, Georgia Tech, Louisville, NC State, Pitt, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, sort of the Big East thought, if you will. That's a good conference um, uh, compared to the American I could imagine them trying to go pick off some teams in the group of five to try to get themselves in the, into the power discussions in college football. Ultimately, I feel like that's the one hope you wait for for Memphis. But all that has to has to transpire at this point. Florida State has to leave. Clemson has to leave. Miami, North Carolina has to leave before you even start thinking about those conversations. And where does Memphis fit? I think they're a decent fit for the ACC, but none of that is is possible at this moment. Um, because the ACC still has a twenty, uh, their their media rights deal, their grant of rights ends in twenty five or twenty thirty five, twenty thirty six. So uh, it's something to keep an eye on if you want a little bit of hope for Memphis. But uh, it's it's a it's a far out concept. <laughs> Those at this years moment. don't even feel real right now. Same yeah. twenty thirty five. You know what I mean. But speaking of Memphis football, the next topic that we have is day one of Memphis football fall camp has started. Lots of questions about playmakers considering the top four receiving threats from last year's team are elsewhere. But that is what Memphis has built their football brand off of the last few seasons. Now, they did bring in some new faces, so my question to you is, you should have high hopes about the playmakers on the roster. Overreaction or not an overreaction? Now, this is kind of tough because, again, it's unknown, and you don't have a lot of guys coming in with, like, crazy production. Uh, Demir Blankamsey is around 500. I think he caught for around 500, 600 yards at Toledo, although he's got a good skill set. Toski Dove, really big receiver from Mizzou, caught for 500, 600 yards at Mizzou. Blake Watson was a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, and caught some balls out of the backfield for Old Dominion. But I, I'm going to go ahead and say this. This is a projection for me. Um, I'm going to say this is not an overreaction. I, I want I want the O-line and everything involved with the offensive line, getting that run game going to go the right way. But I do think you can fall back on some of these names that have been brought in. Demir Blankamsey is very, very fast. He's shifty. He's got sure hands. Uh, and that's sort of uh, something that they had an issue with last year, even with those top four receivers. Eddie Lewis was not the most sure-handed guy. Caden Priestcorn was clearly the the most reliable target for Seth Hennigan last year. I feel like Demir Blankamsey can be that. Toski Dove is a big-bodied receiver. He was hurt during the spring, but you bring him back in. He's, he's, he's back healthy. I, I really feel as if he could be a guy, possession-type receiver, uh, jump-ball-type guy for this team. Uh, Rock Taylor is waited his turn for a long time. I think he could be a great target, and he's strong. He's a possession-type receiver. Joe Skates, we've seen his ability downfield to go create something, make something happen. Uh, He's not very sure-handed, but if you can bring him in, try to get those hands going uh, in the right direction, he is a big-bodied guy with speed that you can uh, potentially um, toss a ball over top to. Uh, Kobe Drake. 
is another guy that's way deep down that wide receiver list that we saw last year, sure-handed, slot guy, that, that can make something happen. In the backfield, they, they have a bunch of options. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. And obviously most of the running game part of this is going to depend on what these offensive linemen can do. They have a lot of power five bounce backs that could potentially help immediately this year. But they have a deep running back room. Like don't don't make don't make that mistake of 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 thinking that they don't have options there. Jay Ducker was an a thousand yard rusher at Northern Illinois. He'll probably get a, a majority of the carries between the tackles. Uh, Blake Watson is a guy who catches the ball really well out of the backfield and also ran for a thousand yards at Old Dominion. Uh, Bull Hargrove was a four star that went to Mississippi State out of uh, out of high school. Like they have all the playmakers that they need, and I think they can rely on them more than we're giving credit for right this second. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of names. Now, bringing it all together and making this this offense balanced after how it's been the last two years where Seth Hennigan just has to drop back 50 times a game and throw the ball, like that's that's going to be the big challenge. But I think, the, I think these playmakers are a little bit more on par with the Norvell days than they have been in quite a while, um, at least the last three years under Ryan Silverfield. You would hope so because it, it certainly felt like watching Seth Hennigan last year that he was having to create a lot of the situations and the opportunities for the Tigers and putting that pressure on him for another season. It's just not what you want, you know. And like you said, you the Tigers, their MO for the last few years has been they've had a a skill position guy emerge as being the the guy. From the group that you just kind of mentioned, do you see – do you have anyone that you think has the potential to emerge as a, not as good as Calvin Austin, but a Calvin Austin type, my, somebody my, that they go to over and over again? My, I get concerned because of like the, the, the lack of balance we've seen from this group and the biggest question being O-line and getting that run game going. I have concern about all these guys sort of being 500, 600-yard receivers because it's just it, Seth Henning is going to have to spread the ball around and the offense may stall out and they may not get as many opportunities as they should if that run game is not the right way. But the one name I want to bring up that I really think I, I, I have high hopes for him. He's got about 4-4 speed. He's very shifty. He's sure-handed. Uh, he missed some games at Toledo. When he played there, but Demir Blankemsey is the guy I have to point to. Even in the spring game, he had a long touchdown, deep ball that was thrown um, to him. Um, he, he's the guy I expect to step up most out of all these guys. Because, I mean, Toski Dove had to deal with an injury. Demir Blankemsey's just about used to his surroundings at this point, And I feel like he could be the guy that sort of springboards this offense into being at least acceptable in the early part of this season. But defensively, I think they're going to be ahead. I think the defense is going to be ahead. As we get into fall camp, it's strange because I've brought this up. I, I, when we talk about the Memphis football program and when they've been working at peak efficiency and winning the 8, 9, 10 games, it's always been the offense ahead. It's been the offense pacing the defense, and the defense may start get, getting things going down the stretch of the season. I think this is the defense helping out the first part of the season and the offense starting to understand who they are as the season wears along, um, and by the end they should be peaking. But Demir Blankemsey is is the name. That's the premier name I look at to make something happen. And in the backfield, like I, one name I didn't even bring up is Sutton Smith. Sutton Smith showed a lot of ability. He showed it last year down the stretch of the season. Um, really good. You can you can split him out into the slot, sort of the Tony Pollard role, if you will. I hope they get a lot out of him because I think that would be that would be massive for the success of the the, the offense early and as the season wears along. 
I just think the goal is to take pressure off of Seth Hennigan as much as you can because you know what you have in him, so you just want to make sure that the guys around him are going to step up. It sounds like that they did bring in some reinforcements for that offensive line, which is great to see. He's not going to be running around as much. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see if one of these guys can emerge and become that guy for the offense because it just seems like that it's been a few years since they've had that guy. They need it. They need they it. They need it badly. They need it badly. And, like, I, I think even more so than anything, we can talk about, like, amount of wins that will get people back on Ryan's side. It's just which such I an think important year. I think it's really hard to project what amount of wins and what this team looks like that will get people back on Ryan's side as the head coach of this team. Um, but even more so than that, I think a lot of people want to see this offense work at peak efficiency because that's exciting. That's exciting. Even if you're an eight-win team and that offense looks good and maybe you lose a game that you didn't really necessarily want to lose, if that offense is starting to show some balance, show some uh, signs of life, I think that, I think that a, lot of, uh, a lot of fans will be happy to see that. Because ultimately, um, when, when we talk about football at the college level, what excites people, what gets people going is offense. It's the touchdowns. Yes. Yeah, it's the touchdowns. I think if you walked up to most Tiger fans and you said you could get eight or nine wins this year guaranteed, they're going to take that deal. And, and bigger, bigger, bigger discussion here, they need to start being more explosive. There's just not been a lot of explosion from this team. Um, and under Mike Norvell, there's a lot of explosion in the, in the run game. Like Kenny Gainwell, Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, just take your pick, Antonio Gibson – you found a lot of ways to rattle off 25, 30-plus yard runs consistently. If they can get back to that, find some balance. I like where this offense is going to be. But, no, back to the original conversation. Do we think that these, uh, these weapons can, can be up to par? Absolutely. I do think these weapons can be up to par. It's still an unknown. We're going to see how that it all comes together. We've got to get Seth Hennigan on the same page. But based on what I'm hearing, in the offseason, they did a lot of work with each other. And, and they seem to be on a, uh, have a good rapport going into camp. But as we get into camp and as we continue to move through, you got to squeeze that lemon. You got to get all the juice you can in fall camp out of that lemon to make sure you're where you need to be to start the year. You don't want to have lulls because the first part of your, your schedule is relatively easy looking at it. Uh, you're going to have a short week against Navy, but Bethune-Cookman at Arkansas State, at Navy, you have to be 3-0 and heading into a miserably hard part of your schedule of Mizzou, Boise State, Tulane. You have to be three and zero going into there, or you're looking at a mis- not a miserable season, but a, a a lackluster season yet again. You have to be able to capitalize at three and zero before you get to that stretch, and then you can add UAB even at the end of that at UAB after that Tulane game. It, this this schedule, I think it sets up fine, but but they have to be ready to go as soon as uh, September second hits. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same, but is 95% cheaper? Just go to 4 slash joy. Through Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, and the process is 100% online. To start your free online visit, go to 4 slash joy. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash J-O-Y. DQ presents... 
How to fancy up any occasion. Step one, grab the caramel fudge cheesecake blizzard from DQ. Step two, break out your fanciest sweatpants and park yourself in your comfiest chair. Step three, kick back and bask in the luxury of salted caramel, rich fudge, and decadent cheesecake pieces blended in world-famous DQ soft serve. Fancy? Achieved. No formal wear required. DQ. Happy tastes good. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When making a real estate purchase, partner with an agent who is a Realtor. We're experts in what we do, with access to exclusive tools and proprietary market data. We're Realtors, members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. Sonic made buffalo chicken dip portable. Juicy chicken, buffalo sauce, and melty cheese stuffed in a golden brown shell. Sonic $2.99 buffalo chicken dip bites for a limited time, only at Sonic. Dad, I don't feel good. I'll grab the Vicks Dayquil Kids Honey. Isn't Dayquil just for parents? Actually, Vicks Dayquil Kids Honey is just for kids. Specially designed to treat kids' most bothersome cold symptoms quickly with a honey-licious tasting flavor kids like. You know what else kids like? Dayquil Kids Honey first, then video games. Deal. Vicks Dayquil Kids Honey. The kids' honey-licious daytime coughing congestion stuffy head stuffy nose medicine. Safe for ages 6+. plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery for free. If your battery needs to be replaced, our professional parts people can help you find the right super start battery for your vehicle and budget. Don't wait. Get your battery tested for free today at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We're going abroad for the first time in years to Spain. But we don't speak Spanish. So we started using Babbel. And started learning Spanish fast. With Babbel, you can start having conversations in another language in just three weeks. Babbel's conversational method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. In just three weeks, we're starting to have conversations in Spanish. Estoy muy emocionado para ir a España contigo. Aww, he just said, I'm very excited to go to Spain with you. Vamos a tener mucha diversión. And that means we're going to have so much fun. <laughs> sí. Gracias, Babbel. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Tonight, a stray thunderstorm with a low of 77. Weather brought to you by Total Wine & More. At Total Wine & More, save big on what you love this month with hundreds of deals on amazing wines and spirits. Love what you find at the lowest prices only at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Let me be your everlasting love. 
of fall camp in Memphis. Welcome back into the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. But with day one of fall camp, we got to bring in Frank Bonner the second at Frank underscore Bonner 2 on X. Memphis football beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. Frank, how's it going? Doing all right. It's hot out here, man. Uh, I, hear you. I hear you, man. I get my, listen, I get my PTSD. My, my PTSD comes back every once in a while dealing with this heat yeah. out here. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I, I have to ask you off the top because I, Jeff brought a couple of things to me that, that he had a discuss. He had a discussion with you, I believe, earlier in the week, and he brought some of these discussion points to me. What what is like? I, I know there's so much unknown on this team with so many moving parts, the transfer portal, uh, so many different uh, added pieces. Um, but what do you want to understand first? Like, what's the first sort of question you have that you want answered heading into fall camp? Um, it's got to be the offensive line, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, since I've been here, this is my, what, third season covering the team. The offensive line in that run game has always been, you know, a question mark. And so I'll start with the offensive line. How good are they going to be? Um, how are they meshing with the new O-line coach, Jeff Myers? Uh, it sounds like him and Ryan are really on the same page of what they want to do. Yep. And then after that, it's got to be the receiving group. Um, it's a whole bunch of new guys there. They lost, what, four of their five the top four pass catchers. So those are the two position groups that I think have the biggest question mark in terms of trying to figure out how good they're going to be. Now, with the offensive line, you mentioned uh, uh, sort of Jeff Myers and Ryan being on the same page. As much as uh, as much as you can share, like, does it feel like the past few years that's been sort of the issue? Maybe a disconnect in the offensive line room with with Ryan at the top. Um, and I've talked to him. It's, it sounds like he's going to spend more time in that room as that's where he was before he got the got the head job. Well, yeah, it does sound like he, you know, he's going to spend more time there. And I think the fact that he's deciding to spend more time there, you know, maybe he he feels that there there needs to be a little bit more um, eyes on the on the offensive line group from from the head coach because everybody knows that Ryan is an offensive line guy. That's what he was before he was head coach, and so. Um, I think that does help in terms of getting this group back on the same page. Uh, and obviously when you, when Ryan hires new guys, we talk about them or whatever, uh, and I chatted with Jeff, they seem to be one and the same in their thinking of where they want to go. And I think that's kind of where square one needs to start, that you and your, your position coach have to have the same vision, and it sounds like they've got that. Now, this is going to be a, a recurring question throughout this entire segment, but do they have the pieces they need in the offensive line room? I, I know that's hard to see right this second, but they went and got Marcus Henderson from Arkansas. Um, they, they got Xavier Hill, who was uh, competing for a starting job at, at LSU. Like, Do they have what they need to go replenish and, and, and make this, this offense a lot more balanced than it has been the last two years? Yeah, I mean, because before we talk about the guys that they brought, you got to look at the guys who are returning, right? Your yep. interior guys are still there with Carter, Likes, and uh, Jonah Gamble. And so, and then you have Pounders, who I think um, should be, you know, one of the front runners for that le- left tackle position because you look at last year, he started the season starting at left tackle and then he got hurt and so on. And so he's had um, playing time. Uh, Terrence Mc- McLean has had playing time. And so they've got some returners who may not have been starters, but they've they've been in games, and then you bring in uh, guys like Henderson and some of the other uh, transfers. I think they do have the pieces and the talent to get it done. Uh, 
Memphis kind of went hard in the trenches on the O-line and the defensive line to kind of address those those pieces. So I think the talent in that room is there. Mm-hmm. Now I'll ask you the exact same question about the wide receiver room. I just got done talking about this. This is, I mean, when we talk about Memphis operating at its peak efficiency, winning 9-10 games, it's been about the playmakers on the offensive side. If we throw it back to the Cotton Bowl year, we're talking about Kenny Gainwell and Antonio Gibson and DeMonte Coxey. Do they have enough? I mean, I, I look at some of the guys they brought in. You seemingly you have some uh, some some uh, sort of lumps of clay that you can mold to to use within your offense. And Toski Dove, who didn't really get to see a lot of time in the spring, Demir Blankumsey, uh, Blake Watson is a running back they brought in who ran for a thousand yards. They still have Jay Duggar who ran for a thousand yards at NIU. Like, do they have enough to to sort of get back to that playmaker you mindset? And I'll be honest with you, on paper. I think so, right? If you look at uh, Demir's speed, um, Skates is still there with speed. I think this should be a big year for Rock Taylor. He's entering his junior year. Um, but I, I have to see it first. Because right. if I, I remember having this conversation uh, ahead of last year, and I thought the receiving room had enough. And uh, from my estimation, the receiving group, and, you know, because Caden Prescorn was a tight end, so looking at just the receivers, the receiving group was a little underwhelming, in my opinion. Uh, and I thought that they had enough last year. And so looking at the attributes of a, of a, of a Blankham C, uh, a Toski Dove, um, and, and Rock Taylor and those guys, I on paper I think they have enough, but I still have to see it right. from that receiver room. And then as far as the playmakers in the running back room, they've had guys yep. since I've been sure. here. Um, they, so it's not, it's not a lack of talent in that running back room, but for whatever reason – that running back room just hasn't been able to be consistently productive. And so that's just another one of those positions where mm-hmm. Memphis, and I think Ryan will tell you this, he kind of mentioned it in the, in the AC media days when, when I asked him the question about being picked fourth. Um, they're in a position where they've got to prove it. Uh, no matter what's on paper, folks want to see it happen on the field before you can really – say uh, how you feel about what, what's in what's on that roster. But how much do you think, like just sort of looking back at the last two years, yeah, they had some uh, talent in the running back room, some talent at the wide, in the wide receiver room. Caden Prescorn was a good pass catcher at the tight end position. How much do you chalk that up to just, hey, this, ba- this, this offense is not balanced enough? They, you're not able to get your game off the same way when you're relied upon every single play, and, and, and uh, those defenses can just sort of uh, assume what you're going to throw at them, where you have Seth Hennigan dropping back 50 times a game. Yeah, I think that, and I think I mentioned that um, with somebody else I was talking to this week, that uh, that's why, in my opinion, the run game is so important, because if you can put defenses on their heels a little bit on the run game, I mean, that opens things up for Seth, and everybody knows how good he's been since his freshman season. And so, yeah, I do think that that takes a lot of pressure off the offense if it can get balanced. Um, and I know that they tried to do some things uh, differently last year, like with some RPOs. You saw Seth running a little bit, uh, a lot more than what he did uh, the year before. And so, you know, scheme-wise, they have been trying to get that balance um, but this year, I think it, it, it needs to happen, and it needs to happen like right off, right out the gate. Talking with Frank Bonner, the second at Frank Bonner, a Frank underscore Bonner two on X. How much do you expect? I mean, we talk about Seth Hennigan, and and I, the the he's the one known commodity on this offense. How much do you expect from him from a leadership perspective and from a production standpoint going into year three now as a starter? 
Well, from the leadership perspective, I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, we've talked about him as being a young quarterback these first two years. When he's going into his junior year, I mean, he is he's the guy. And with the, the way the transfer portal has got guys coming and moving, I mean, he's one of the most tenured guys on that offense. Yep. And so, you know, you expect for him to – to take that role seriously. And obviously anybody who, who's been around Seth knows that he does and he has and he will. Um, and then from a production standpoint, um, you know, if you talk about the quarterbacks in the in the conference, right, probably the first, you know, the, the names that come up, probably Frank Harris from UTSA, Michael Pratt from Tulane, Seth Hennigan needs to be where they are um, in terms of the production, right? It needs to be those three guys in terms of, how good I think he needs to be for Memphis to be successful. And I think he can do it. I think he can be in that same stratosphere, on that same table, and, and possibly be com- competing for, um, you know, a, a all-conference spot uh, with those guys. And I think that's fair, and I think that's what needs to be expected. Now, on the on the defensive side of the ball, I've said this a million times <laughs> leading up to the season through the offseason based on what they've brought in and Simeon Blair and Malik Feaster, all those guys in the secondary, Josh Ellison, all these uh, – Derek Hunter, these guys up front – um, Chandler Martin was really productive, highly productive at East Tennessee State, and he he likely will be slotted into one of those starting linebacker roles. They have returners in Cormonte Hamilton and Jalen Allen. I have said multiple times I think the defense is going to be ahead of the offense, and that's not usually what you come to ac- accustomed to with a Memphis football team. But do you agree with me? Are you in lockstep with me on that on that assumption? Yeah, I am, and, and honestly, to your point of not being able to. Um see that, you know, that's not the norm. Honestly, who, who, who cares if it is the norm or what's the norm or whatever? Right. If that's what it takes for, for them to win games, that's, that should, all, that should be all that matters. And, uh, you know, uh, defensive coordinator Matt Barnes, I think did a, he did some really good things in his first year, especially with the turnovers, right? If they can continue to, to stay fast with the turnovers, I think that defense, to your point, can be the, the strength of this team. Uh, and, in my two years of covering the team, they've always had just that guy at linebacker, right? Yeah. It was it was Zay Cullens, it was JJ Russell before that. I think it's going to be Jeffrey uh, Canton Arku. I wrote about him a couple times. I'm real excited about him being that guy at linebacker. And, and to your point, Simeon Blair is is expected to be a stud. I think it spoke volume to the fact that. Simeon Bear has been Simeon Blair has been in the uh, program for what two seconds, and they yeah. decided to bring him to AAC Media Days. I mean, that's huge in, in terms of the expectation that he has to be great. Now, last year there was high expectations, uh, relative high expectations for that defense with Matt Barnes coming from Ohio State, having been there down the stretch of that season. He, you know, he was. I think Kerry Coombs was done, and he took over as the the play caller on the defense side of the ball for Ohio State. So there was high hopes last year, but I think we ignored up front the issues they had with depth. Right, they had a lot of depth issues along that defensive line. Do you do you expect that to be an issue this year, or do they have the bodies to go make that happen? No, I think they actually went and addressed that uh, in in the portal and in the guys that they brought, you know, on the defense and offensive line. And uh, Ryan even said at um, at the Highland Hundred event that uh, he thinks one of their strengths this year is the depth that they have. Uh, and so I think that they noticed that and they 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 did the things that they believe should should fix that in terms of the depth. So I think the depth won't be as big of an issue as it was last year. And I think another issue we ran into with that with that depth problem along the defensive line is Matt Barnes, when he came in, I mean, he's multiple. 
along the defensive front. You know, whether it's a four down front, three down front, you run a bare front, you have some overhangs. Like he likes to get into some different looks. You saw it down the stretch of the season, and, and there was some success with it. Do we expect him to be more multiple with that at his disposal? At his disposal, I should say this year. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was strategic and what he likes to do, right? In terms of you recruit uh, how you want to coach, right? And so mm-hmm. that's I think that's why they went and chased depth so he can continue to be more multiple and and and, and use guys in that manner. And so I think in year two. This defense, in terms of how it's constructed and, and the roster, is going to be even more suitable for what Barnes is going to want to do. Now, conference-wise, we looked at the me- uh, American preseason media poll. No surprise, Tulane, UTSA, and then I knew there was going to be sort of that logjam there of SMU and Memphis. So let, let's leave those out, those top four out. Is there any teams, you know, just sort of looking from uh, 5 to 14, if you will, is there any teams you think that will sneak up and surprise and may press to, to win this conference this year outside of those top four? Oh, to win the conference. Ooh, so I'm that's tough for me because I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty gung ho on like the, the champion of the conference is gonna come from one of those top four. Uh but in terms of being able to exceed expectations, um I don't know, maybe maybe North Texas FAU. Uh you know, I know there are some some people that I talk to like media wise are um, a little higher on SMU or FAU than I am. Maybe they can squeak in. So it'd be one of those two teams that could 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 be surprising. But in terms of a team going from seventh place to champion like Tulane did last year, I, I think the champion is going to be one of those top four teams. And Florida Atlantic's one I look at too, as uh, unfortunately as as a sleeper. I mean Casey Thompson. As a starting quarterback, Tom Herman now there, and he's he's been a part of the AAC. I remember playing his teams in college when he was at Houston. Um, that that could be a little sneaky surprise. Like I, I I don't I don't I don't see why why they can't make at least a decent run considering the rest of the competition in this conference this year. Yeah, and even Oresco, right? When I had my one on one with uh, Oresco, just talking about the conference or whatever, he mentioned uh, FAU and Tom Herman, and he said, "Don't." He was like, "Don't sell." He was like, "Don't sell him short." Like he he's expecting him to to be competitive right off the back. So even your commissioner uh, believes that FAU could be a sleeper team, which I think uh, you know says something about the belief in, in in Tom Herman. Yeah, what do you what do you think about the thoughts of the the peak of this conference with Tulane having beat USC? In the bowl game last year, uh, UTSA has been great for years. And they've set themselves up. They, they're paying Jeff Trailer a whole lot of money. They brought back Frank Harris, uh, although they don't have Zachary Franklin. He's at Ole Miss now. Like, what do you think of the peak of this conference? Do you think that those teams will meet expectations? Yeah, and if you, you talk about the peak of a conference, right, the conference from, from 1 to 14, you know, may may not be all that great, right, but Really, in a conference to, to be viewed in, in terms of making their peak, you just need about you just need about three or four programs every year to kind of meet the expectations that you're talking about. And I'm I'm high on UTSA. I actually picked UTSA over Tulane in my rankings, um, and so I think I think UTSA is going to be really good. They got a lot of people back. Uh, it's hard to to look at what Tulane did last year and not expect them to be good again. And um, I know Memphis has a lot of question marks in terms of the roster, the transfers coming in, uh, but I picked them third over SMU. Uh, as far as the whoever ends up coming out on top in those two championship games, I think it's going to be two teams where you look at them and you say, yeah, they, they had a pretty good year. 
um, and they can they can compete in in a in a in a big bowl game. So so what did lead you? Last thing for you. This again, this is Frank Bonner, Memphis football beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. You say you had Memphis over SMU. What led you to sort of differ from a lot of the other media members that that voted on this thing and, and having Memphis over SMU? To be honest with you, I looked at if you look at the last three years under Silverfield. I know the last two years, um, you know, six and six regular seasons, but that first year they were in close games. They won them. The last mm-hmm. two seasons, they were in those same predicaments, and they just didn't win them. And so the biggest like difference uh, in the last you know two years versus Ryan's first year is they just didn't close out the game. Yep. And so since I've been here, one thing it seems to be true about a Ryan Silverfield coached Memphis team is that they're going to have their opportunities in almost every game to make something happen and win the ball game. They just haven't done those in the last two seasons, but. Um, I think that Memphis is still going to be in those situations where in the fourth quarter they're going to have their opportunities. And um, I'm banking on the fact that they're going to win some of the close games that they didn't win these last two years. I think the frustrating part, too, is that like when you look at talent and you look at like recruiting rankings, Memphis is right there at number two in the group of five, just about, I mean, especially in this new configuration of the AAC, they're right behind UTSA. Like, that's the frustrating part. You have the talent on this roster, probably a top three rated roster in this conference, but you just have to get over top. And I think the last two years, I know it's six and six and three and five in conference, but if some of those, uh, the ball bounces a, a different way, you, you find a way to fend off, make one more play on the defensive side of the ball, you're looking at eight and four, nine and three. Right, and that's my point, right? That's kind of why I put them above SMU because, you know, you know, law of averages will tell you that going into uh, uh, this season, you expect the ball has to bounce Memphis's way at some point in some right. of these close games, right? And so uh, this year seems like it could be the year where they figure that out. But I think one thing is for sure is that, like, you're – even in in the games that Memphis ends up losing, it's not going to be big blowouts, mm-hmm, right? Uh, and and I think that gives you reason to believe that if um like if Demir Blankensy ends up being uh as big of a factor as he's expected to be, Simeon like if these transfer guys end up being who they're supposed to be, then that may be enough to where in that fourth quarter they can get some of those wins. And then on top of that, Memphis doesn't like you got to look at the schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Memphis doesn't play UTSA. They play Tulane at home, and, and Tulane hasn't beaten Memphis in Memphis in, in ages, right? Yeah. Uh, and so the schedule kind of works out uh, to where I think they can get a favorable um, conference schedule record. Yeah. Now, it's hard to usually talk about fall camp. I mean, I mean, especially lately with all the realignment. Do you have any takes on that? It's been a, I mean, it is wild, man. It is insane what's going on with realignment around the country. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 crazy, right? It's like somebody uh, created NCAA and, and went in franchise mode and just started changing things around. Right. right. But I will say, um, I think the more chaos, the better it is as far as Memphis's chances to be somewhere else. Yep. Because when every time a conference is looking at new suitors, right? There's a short list that's created. And you presume that Memphis is somewhere on that short list. Well, every time a new short list has to get created, you the assumption is that Memphis continues to move up. So at yep. some point, it, they're going to run out of short list to where like Memphis is going to be at the top of one of these short lists if the chaos continues to happen. And so more chaos, the better 
as far as Memphis is concerned, yeah. in my opinion. And then, and then, like, you just look at the ACC and, like, Florida State maybe trying to angle their way out, Clemson trying to angle their way out. Maybe that's going to be the new hope for Memphis fans is ACC. We'll keep an eye on it, though. But, Frank, yeah. appreciate the heck out of it, man. This is great stuff. We'll do it again soon. Appreciate y'all. I always enjoy listening to you. Y'all take care. Yes, sir. That's Frank Bonner at Frank underscore Bonner 2 on X, Memphis football beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. Now, that's an interesting thought. Like, the more chaos, the better for the University of Memphis, ultimately. We've seen a lot of chaos, and it hasn't been for the better, though, right? Like, that's that's the issue you run into, but we will see. We will see. You just got to uh, keep your nose to the grindstone, try to be as good as you can while you can, show your value to the rest of the country, and... We'll see where everything falls into place. Memphis Million is here at Southland Casino Hotel. Over a million dollars in cash, free play, and prizes are up for grabs now through August 30th. Come to Southland every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 4.30 to 8 p.m. Earn a scratch-off card to win free play, food offers, prizes, and bonus drawing entries. New members earn a free scratch-off card instantly when you sign up. Win your share of $75,000 in cash, free play, and prizes each week. See you at Southland Casino Hotel for the Memphis Million giveaway. Must be 21 plus. Play responsibly. For help quitting, call 800-522-4700. The FedEx St. Jude Championship returns to TPC Southwind August 9th through the 13th. Don't miss your chance to witness the top 70 players from the PGA Tour season battle it out in the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Only 50 players will make it through Memphis. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Daily grounds and upgraded ticket options are on sale now at FedExChampionship.com. Andy Wise here. Disaster restoration. Fire damage, water damage, storm damage. You think restoring property, right? No, it's about restoring people. And no one does that better than Service Master by Cornerstone. Family-owned, Memphis-based Service Master by Cornerstone won Franchise of the Year for how it saves businesses and restores families. And now it's expanded services to Jackson, Tennessee and DeSoto County. Make the wise choice for disaster cleanup that's in the people-building business. Service Master by Cornerstone, 901-RESPONSE. Visit Frontier Western Store today for new shirts and boots. Frontier is your top Carhartt store in the Mid-South. There's thousands of in-stock shirts and jeans. They have the classic K87 pocket tee in every color they make, including new ones just released. Available small to 4X. Want new jeans? Frontier has you covered with super tough work denim by Carhartt. And you've got to check out their selection of Ariat jeans for men, women, and children. You'll love how easy it is to find the size and style you need. Have you seen Frontier's remodeled world-famous boot showroom? It continues to expand. New styles by Ariat just arrived, plus plenty of in-stock proven classics, too. Whether you need work or dress boots, trust that Frontier's the place to come. See thousands of pairs of Ariat boots and thousands more by Dan Post, Corral, Durango, Rocky, Twisted X, and others. And Frontier's pricing is lower than online and chain stores, so you know just the local shop to visit. Frontier Western Store, 5880 Goodman Road in Olive Branch, and on the web at FrontierWesternStore.com. Locally owned and operated since 1967. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same but is 95% cheaper and you can get it online? 
Just go to 4 slash radio. Through Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, a 100% online process, and trusted generic alternatives to the name brands to treat ED at up to 95% off. That's right, the same active ingredient as the brand name for 95% less. It's the same ED medication, still prescribed by a licensed medical provider, but with zero copay, no expensive appointments, and no awkward face-to-face conversations. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash radio. That's 4 slash radio for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash R-A-D-I-O. Take a chance on hitting the jackpot with Mega Millions. With the jackpot now up to $1.25 billion, you could be tonight's big winner. Stop by any Tennessee Lottery retailer and play Mega Millions today. Tigers in the DR and played the Dominican Republic national team. Bunch of pros. Bunch of pros. Lester Quinones there. LJ Figueroa is there. Um, but they have a bunch of pros on that team. Um, and the Tigers, damn, man. Uh, 91-84, cut down a 20-point deficit to get it to 91-84. I think more so than anything, though, I didn't realize the spectacle it was going to be. I didn't realize that they were going to pack the damn house out for Memphis versus the Dominican Republic national team. That was damn impressive. And these these guys... Before we really discuss it and overreact to it, we do have to put into consideration, yes, they're pros on the Dominican Republic national team, but they've been practicing. They have FIBA coming up. They've been practicing for quite a while now, where this Memphis team only ran five-on-fives once because of guys trickling onto campus uh, little by little. They have not been able to practice as much. But I thought, damn, considering that fact, that was good stuff. That was good stuff, ultimately. Um you look at uh, a guy like Caleb Mills. He was the leading scorer for the Tigers, 18 points. Um, and I believe he was 7 for 13 from the field. Uh, you look at uh, uh, Javon Quinterly, 13 points, 7 assists. I thought they shared the ball well. I thought they got up and down the floor really well. They ran out. They played good defense. Everything about this team signals to me this is the highest upside we have seen from a Penny Hardaway coach team. And that was without their starting three, who was playing on the other team, and their starting four in DeAndre Williams, well, potential starting four in DeAndre Williams, who's not even on campus yet. Right, and David Jones looked good for the Dominican Republic, too. He had 12 points. I think he was 5 or 5 from the field. He was playing good defense. He was you know, he was around. So even though he was playing for the Dominican Republic, I still kind of take it as a first look at, at David Jones for a lot of Memphis fans as well. But to your point, I didn't really expect this to be a, a spectacle either. It was... It's kind of nuts. 8,000 people were in there. I think it was a nearly sold-out crowd. David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Yeah, Big Poppy. Was in the crowd. Yeah. That's fantastic. How much do you think it was, you know, the Dominican national team, that probably brought some people. But I wonder if Penny Hardaway and and the star power that he has might have a little bit of run down the Dominican Republic that we didn't know about. I didn't know I didn't know they they got behind basketball like that. It was awesome. It was awesome to see. And it looked like they had some good things outside of the stadium going on like vendors and everything else. It looked like it was quite the spectacle. I did not expect that by any stretch of the imagination. You wouldn't think that a a random college basketball team from America would be that type of draw, right? You'd feel you'd feel like there'd be like 1,500, 2,000 deep. That's what it would be in America if something like that happened. Well, Quinterly talked about how he's he's done these international you know scrimmages with other teams before, but this was the first one that was in front of a huge crowd like this because he was, you know, he did them on his former stops, but... 
it's just it, it's pretty awesome to see. Did you see the story though of how they had to get to the arena? What happened? They, the, the bus they, got they, they stopped. They got caught up. They yeah. got caught up. They had to send a shuttle to go get him. The coaches had to walk, and then they <laughs> and then they got going. So it kind of makes sense why they may have started off a, a little. With with you know they they got down a little bit early on, but that fighting back from what they were at halftime, it's great to see. And a lot of the scoring was happening in the second half. I was really encouraged by the Tigers' play. I'm really excited for this team. I think it's, the, people that are overreacting to it, acting like they should have won the game. It's like, come on, we got to no, put you, things in perspective a little. I bit. think ultimately, no, you weren't you weren't expected to win a game against a bunch of pros I would that have been not. practicing for some time that are trying to get ready for a feeble World Cup situation. Like I, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But they hung in there. Ninety-one, eighty-four was the final score. Um, but what did we think of the broadcast? Broadcast was sort of in and out. It was okay. It was solid. I, th- I think a lot of people were nervous about the first look, like when it was uh, like fifteen minutes out from game time. They had it behind like a like one of the baskets in the corner. People thought that was going to be the view. We finally we, we got the Listen, we got the overhead beggar, shot. We beggars were good. can't be choosers when it comes to stuff like this. We were able to get a, a live stream. Shout out to the. Dominican national team for providing that for the Tigers. It sounds like that's going to be the only one that we get from their their trip down to the DR. And I'm okay with that because it feels like this is the game that you kind of wanted to see. Now, um, moving away from the Tigers, we'll get back to what I what I saw, what I liked, who I liked on this Tigers team last night. But on the Dominican Republic national team, Lester Quinones, what else does he have to do to get out of a two way contract situation? Thirty points, eight for twelve from the field. Six for nine from three. He absolutely positively torched the Tigers. And his creation off the dribble is outstanding. He works really hard on the defensive end. He rebounds at a high level. I don't understand how he's still on a two-way, man. And I understand that you can talk about, oh, great, well, he's playing Memphis here. But he's been doing this in the G League. He had a hell of a summer league with the Warriors. This guy is a certified pro. And he needs to be treated as such going forward. But he's still on that two-way with the Warriors. And I sort of wonder what their plan is with him. I mean, I, they drafted Moses Moody high, Jonathan Kaminga. They have some young guys that they want to get involved. But Lester Quinones right this second, I, I don't know what else he has to do to show that he needs to be in an NBA rotation somewhere. And I, and I truly mean that. And I know people will think that's an overreaction. But we have enough of a sample size to understand what this guy is as a player. And I know we're talking about year two for him, but man, this dude's talent is unreal. He has been continually impressive for, for about two years now. Like you said, he's put in the work to turn himself into the 3 and D prospect that we believed he could be when he was playing for the Memphis Tigers. I was a huge, huge beater of the drum saying that Lester Quinones has all the tools to be an NBA guy. It was just going to matter whether he put in the, the effort and the work to make it happen, and he has certainly done that. He has truly turned into a sniper from three, which is a big deal for them. And, you know, they just lost a guy in Jordan Poole whose skill set is very similar to what Lester Quinones does. I do think that Lester brings better defense, though. And he's By a, a mile and, and a half. you know, no disrespect to Jordan Poole. I still think he's a very good basketball player, but Lester's a smarter player when he's out there. Too. I, he's uh, not taking bad shots. There's no doubt. He's setting things up for other people. Like I said, he's locking things down on the defensive end. When you look at the Warriors' depth chart, there's spots for him there. Because there Moses is. Moody is their backup, too. Unless it de- I guess it depends on what they do with Chris Paul, but Moses Moody right now is their backup two, and Gary Payton II is their backup three. I feel like Lester is, you know, at least near the level of those two guys. Gary Payton II is very, very good on the defensive end, so I understand why he might be ahead in the pecking order there. But Moses Moody, 
I don't know. I feel like that we've seen more from Lester Quinones than we've seen from Moses Moody. I know that the Warriors don't really give a damn about their young guys, but yeah. Lester feels like a diamond in the rough that they found, so they need to give him some playing this, time. This is what always frustrates me about just pro sports in general when you're not coming from that sort of prefer that preferential spot is it's just so hard. You can do so many great things, but you still get treated like you did when you came in. And I feel like Lester Quinones has proven it along the way but he still was an undrafted guy, had to earn everything, and that's how the Warriors are treating him going forward. I still think he'll get minutes with the big club, even though he's you know, he's a two-way guy. He'll play a lot in the G League as well. But when they have some injuries, he'll get some minutes. But I, I look at that rotation. I don't see why you can't insert him because I think he can play the two. He can play the three. He can give you good minutes. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. He's uh, just ridiculous. I mean, he played 30 minutes last night, and I didn't see him slow down a bit. I mean, the, the, the skill set is there. The work has been shown. Give my man some real rotational minutes at this point. Last night, he just, I mean. I mean, he torched him. He torched him. I, I said yesterday, I was like, there's we knew, no way. We knew he was. There was though. no late way Lester wasn't going for any, any less than like 25 against the Tigers. And it was cool to see his interaction with Penny Hardaway, all of them laughing together. You know, it does feel like that Penny has a pretty good relationship with all of his former guys, that especially the ones that have made it to the NBA. So it's really cool to see how Lester has developed over the last few years, and I'm, I'm rooting for him fully. The good news is, too, about the Warriors is that they are a, an aging team, so you have to assume yep. that there are going to be games where they sit guys like Steph, Clay, Chris Paul especially, maybe yeah, Andrew right. Wiggins. You never know. So Lester being on that two-way contract, I actually expect him to get decent playing time with the Warriors next year. I'd be surprised. It would, it, feel, it would feel like a wasted opportunity by the Warriors to not give him any run next year with the, with the big squad. Now, also on the Dominican Republic uh, national team was uh, David Jones, and all I can say is eyeball emoji. Dude. Five for five Dude. from the field in 16 minutes, 12 points. I'm excited. Two for two from three. He's a dog. Three for three from two. I mean, this dude, and he was a high-energy guy. Uh, obviously came off the bench. You didn't even know if he was going to play last night. That's the Tigers starting three. That is fun to think about. WMFS FM and HD1 Bartlett. WMFS Memphis celebrating a legacy of sports as the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers talk. Always live on the Odyssey app and on smart speakers say play 92.9 ESPN. Portions of today's program are pre-recorded. At Fisher Investments, our clients know we have their backs. How do your clients know that? Because Fisher Investments is a fiduciary, the highest standard for a financial advisor. It means we're there for our clients and always put their interests first. So wait, you do it because you have to? No, we do it because it's the right thing to do. Our clients trust us with their retirement savings, and we know how important that responsibility is. So we take the time to really get to know them. Get to know them how? We make sure we understand their unique goals, finances, health, family, and lifestyle so we can tailor their portfolio to their specific needs. Our goal is to help them achieve a comfortable retirement. Sounds like a big responsibility. You must make big commissions then, right? No, we don't sell commission-based products. We have one single transparent fee that's structured so we do better when our clients do better. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you are switching to us. Fisher Investments. Clearly different money management. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. Buying a diamond here in Memphis just got a whole lot easier and a lot less expensive. Genesis Diamonds has arrived. Now open at Poplar Commons. 
This is the game-changing concept that will forever change the jewelry scene here. With a gorgeous showroom, a selection that's up to 30 times ordinary stores, no middleman direct importer pricing, and the strongest warranties and guarantees in the industry. Genesis Diamond, started by a former diamond wholesaler, was voted 13 consecutive years best jewelry store and best place to buy an engagement ring. Now we've arrived in Memphis with a no-stress, no-pressure, non-commissioned sales environment with exceptional quality and prices that will blow you away. Genesis showcases hand-picked diamonds from the best cutters around the world and the finest American-made designer rings from top names like Takori and Viragio, plus the largest selection of earrings, bands, bracelets, pendants, as well as luxury pre-owned Rolexes. Don't buy a diamond engagement ring or any diamond jewelry anywhere until you discover this exciting new concept. Genesis Diamonds, now open in Poplar Commons. If you're hiring, it can feel like you're trying to find a needle in a haystack. You can hope the right person comes along, or you can just use ZipRecruiter. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. In fact, ZipRecruiter has helped a lot of business owners find their needle in a haystack. Like Marco, president of operations at Telly Tires and Auto Centers. Because Telly Tires has grown a lot in the last few years, Marco needed to hire everyone from a receptionist to a store manager to a head mechanic. ZipRecruiter helps me find all the right people, even the most difficult jobs to fill. ZipRecruiter helps me keep my business running. Take it from Marco and millions of other businesses who've used ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter can help you find the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash radio.